Good morning, Harvest. Uh, thank you so much for signing in. It's really good to spend some time with you here today. We're coming to the end of our series entitled The Upside Down Kingdom, which is based on a sermon of Jesus's uh, that's recorded in Luke chapter 6. And um, it's sometimes referred to as the Sermon on the Plain. Now, I don't know about you, but I, <laughs> I've been tremendously challenged by the upside down kingdom. And we call it that because the kingdom of God is just so intuitively different to what we would expect. We actually need to have our eyes opened to perceive the reality of this kingdom and to see things the same way that Jesus does. So we're going to pray, then I'm going to read to you from the passage that we're studying today. So let's just ask the Lord to open our eyes. Father God, please do open our eyes this morning because we know that this kingdom is, is just so radically different to what we would expect to what we see in the world around us and we need our eyes to be open so please do that father god in your in your grace and in your mercy we ask this in jesus name so turn in your bibles to luke chapter 6 and uh, i'll start reading here from verse 43 but of course we we've been looking over the previous uh, passages in the last few weeks uh, this passage is entitled a tree and its fruit for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. And then we move on to a section entitled, Build Your House on the Rock. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? These are people who appear to be calling out to God. Um, and do not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. And then he tells this little parable. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. It takes a lot of effort, doesn't it, to dig deep. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house, couldn't shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is the word of God. A little bit of a refresher, folks. Last week, Craig told us about the Truman Show. I thought it was such an excellent illustration. And in this film, uh, Truman grows up living a seemingly ordinary life, but unbeknownst to him, it's actually taking place on the set populated uh, by actors in a, in a, a sort of a, a television show, a reality show. And so Truman thinks that he's living in reality, but he isn't because everyone that he interacts with is acting according to a script, a make-believe script. And the actors have a real life uh, that, off the set that Truman actually knows nothing about. And Craig used this as an excellent illustration of the fact that there is an invisible reality that affects every aspect of our life as human beings, whether we're aware of it or not. And without God's intervention, you could spend your whole life 
living with an incomplete picture, an illusion, which is exactly what happened to poor old Truman. But Jesus, thank God, has chosen to heal our sight. He's opening our eyes to this kingdom that we otherwise would not have been able to see. This unseen reality that controls everything in our physical world. And perhaps your eyes have already been opened to this kingdom. Perhaps for weeks or months or years or even decades, you've been aware of this kingdom and you've been starting to learn about it. And of course, it's a wonderful experience to learn about this unseen kingdom because we begin to realize that there is a God who is in heaven, but he's not just a, a, a distant God. He's actually our father. We are his children. He has an inheritance waiting for us. He loves us. All of these tremendous truths that we begin to discover about the kingdom of God. Or perhaps you're like Truman in the sense that you're starting to suspect that there is a greater reality, that you might actually be living on a set and there is a reality beyond the boundaries of the set. And we love having people like that at Harvest and the reason is because we all started our journey in the same place. So if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable at harvest, a little bit out of your depth, maybe you think that everybody else is so much further down the road than you, or they're talking about things that you don't understand, don't worry about that because we all started the journey in the same place with this suspicion that maybe this isn't all that there is. So don't get daunted. Ask God to reveal himself to you, to open your eyes. And I'm telling you now, that if you do that genuinely and seek him, he will open your eyes to the unseen upside down kingdom. Now, we're going to move on, but just keep in mind that there are probably two different groups in our service today. The first group suspects that there is a greater reality, uh, but you're still exploring. And then the second group is convinced that this upside kingdom, upside down kingdom does really exist. If you're in that first group, this Sermon on the Plain will teach you what the life of a kingdom citizen actually looks like. And by learning that, you'll start to learn more about what the kingdom itself is like. And if you're in the second group where you've already had your eyes opened, Jesus is calling you, and this is so important, He is calling you to live as citizens of the kingdom. And the reason why it's so key for us to do that is because we are his representatives in the world. We make the invisible visible. And we need to do a good job of doing that. At the time, the religious establishment thought that they were making the invisible visible. The scribes and the Pharisees, those people who opposed Jesus. But they were actually, as we learned last week, they were the blind leading the blind. They were seeking man's reward and not God's reward and his approval. And in the end, they would even start persecuting genuine members of the kingdom. So what does the life of a kingdom citizen look like? And that's what we've been answering last week and we're going to continue to do it this week. Last week we learned that a citizen of the kingdom is loving, forgiving and exemplary. So let's just take loving and we'll just quickly summarize this. We love people, folks, as citizens of the kingdom, even when they're persecuting us. 
And admittedly, that's quite a, an extreme scenario, but it teaches us that kingdom love is always sacrificial. No matter how sinful or unlovable a person is, no matter how that person is treating us, we need to treat him or her the way we would like to be treated. So that's love. Kingdom citizens are loving. Kingdom citizens are forgiving. When somebody does something wrong to us, it's very tempting for us to take up the role of a judge. And basically what a judge does is a judge passes a sentence of punishment on somebody else. And usually the only way that we can do that is by withholding forgiveness. So we try and punish the other person by not forgiving them, especially when we, we don't have the means or the power to punish them in any other way. But what, what Jesus is saying is, no, please leave the justice to God. Leave it to your Father. Leave the judgment and the punishment and the sentence to Him. Your job is to forgive. So kingdom citizens are loving, they're forgiving, and then last of all, they are exemplary. We need to be like Jesus. We need to show the world what He's like. And in each of those qualities, we discovered last week some pretty good reasons that Jesus gave for displaying those characteristics. So this week, we're going to add two more qualities, just two, so it'll be a short sermon, um, two more qualities of the kingdom citizen. Fruitful and obedient. Fruitful and obedient. Let's dive into fruitful. Do you remember that parable that we read last week about the blind leading the blind? Jesus told that parable to challenge the so-called leaders, the so-called representatives of the kingdom. They thought that they were entitled to judge others, to pass sentences of punishment on them. They reserved the right to tell other people how to live. In fact, they believed that ordinary people were blind and that they alone could see. But in actual fact, they were the ones who were blind. Actually, every human being is blind. We all need our eyes to be healed. And the only person, folks, who can heal our perception, who can heal our eyes, is Jesus. And yet these self-proclaimed representatives of the kingdom were opposing Jesus. So what chance did they have of actually seeing things clearly? At least the ordinary people had the humility to admit that they needed help. And we need to be in that place today. We need to be in that place where we recognize the only way we're going to see this kingdom, see this reality accurately, is if Jesus heals our sight. So let's move on now from sight to fruit. Obviously, without sight, you can't lead others by example. And um, that's the point of the parable. But nor can you lead by example if you're not producing the right kind of fruit, if you're producing the wrong fruit. So this is where we come to this concept now of being fruitful as citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus uses this lovely metaphor of a fruit tree. He tells us that unless there is a radical transformation, you're not going to become a member of the kingdom of God. So what he says here is, I don't care how hard a lemon tree tries, it will never produce apples. If the lemon tree wants to produce apples, it needs to be changed into an apple tree. Seems pretty obvious, but sometimes we don't get this. 
The lemon tree needs a radical transformation to produce apples. It needs to become something else entirely, a completely different tree. And if you want to produce the fruit of the kingdom, let me underline this. If you want to produce the fruit of the kingdom, you need transformation that is no less radical than the change from a lemon tree to an apple tree. Because if that doesn't happen, you will fail to produce the fruit of the kingdom. You will be like a lemon tree trying to produce apples. It's not going to happen. But what form does this radical transformation take? And maybe you're sitting in that first group today where you're thinking, how can I be changed so that I will see the reality of this other kingdom? Well, it requires transformation of the heart. Look at verse 45. It'll be on your screen. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart, notice it's heart, produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now what does this mean? Well, as, as Western people, we simply see the heart, by and large, as the seat of our emotions. But at the time of Jesus, and with the understanding of the people that he was talking to, they understood the heart to be the very center and essence of the human being. Just think in terms of the CPU of a computer. So the CPU takes signals from the screen and from the mouse and from the keyboard and from external memory. And it takes all of those um, signals and it processes them. And it enables the, the heart of the computer, if you like, to interact with the outside world and to serve us as human beings. And so in the same way, the heart is the very central processing unit of thoughts. Remember the Bible refers to the mind as the eyes of the heart. Our emotions, our will, all of these things, our spirit, it's all tied up there in the heart. And so if the heart is radically transformed, imagine the effect it's going to have on the whole person. The very source of everything has changed. And so the overflow, in Jesus' words, has changed. You get right there to the heart of the well and you change the source so that what comes up is completely different. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, listen to this, the mouth speaks. If you want to check the health of your heart, you need to monitor your mouth. Sometimes Gail will say to me, and she does it in the kindest possible way, she'll say, Ian, have you heard what you've been saying? And, and what does that tell you about what's going on in your mind, which I can't see? What are the things that you're telling yourself in your mind? What are the things that you're believing? What are the things that you're feeling if this is the way that you're speaking? It's very significant, isn't it? And here's a suggestion. Spend a few moments at the end of each day just reviewing your speech and the conversations that you've had during the day. That'll tell you so much about the health of your heart. If there's a lot of grumbling, if there's a lot of complaining, it'll tell you something about the state of your heart. If it's constant expression of fear and anxiety, it'll tell you something about the state of your heart. This is what the Apostle James had to say on the subject. James chapter 3 verse 3, he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, 
for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. So there's a link between being able to control what we say and being able to control our entire being. Now, we're getting to the heart of the matter here. We're getting to the crux of the matter. When you turn away from self-management and ask Jesus to manage your life, when, when you take your old self and give it to God and say, please crucify this on the cross with Jesus and please raise me up as a new human being, just as Jesus raised from the dead, then he will raise you up as a radically transformed person with a radically transformed essence and being and heart. Jesus referred to this as being born again. That's how radical the transformation is, like literally being born again. It's a thorn tree into an apple tree. It's a new heart with good treasure producing good. That's how Jesus put it, isn't it? Good treasure producing good, a new heart. Folks, every other religion concentrates on the production of the fruit, but not on the changing of the tree. The focus is on man's efforts. And let me tell you something, it doesn't work. Jesus says, let me change the tree. The focus is on my effort, not on your effort. Put your trust in me and, and, uh, and not in your own ability to produce. That's what Jesus says. John 15 verse 5. Just, just have a look at that. It's on the screen. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Folks, you can only be fruitful if you are grafted into the vine. And the only way that we can be grafted into the vine is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But there's more to this, folks. Jesus forbids that we should be born again and to see that as the be-all and the end-all. Being born again is the start of the journey and, it's, um, and not the beginning. I beg your pardon, I'm, I'm a little bit confused there. Being born again is the start of the journey. Uh, 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 that's all it is. It, it doesn't constitute the whole uh, journey. We must abide in Christ so that we can produce more and more fruit. Not just fruit. Do you see what it says there? It says, he who abides in me will bear much fruit, lots of fruit, an abundance of fruit. And this, folks, requires obedience. This brings us to the next point. Citizens of the kingdom have a king <laughs> and they must be obedient to the king. Jesus is actually taking us full circle here in his sermon because he started off by saying that you are most blessed when it costs you to obey the king. That was the big idea of the blessings at the start of the sermon. But now at the end of the sermon Jesus brings up the same subject. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words 
and does them. Folks, the words of Jesus are key, but we must hear them. And we must truly hear them. And you will only truly hear if you believe. And the evidence of believing what you've heard is obedience. Actually doing what you've been told. If somebody is not doing what they've been told, it's a clear indication that they don't believe what they were told. I mean, if I say to Don, Don, the other side of your house is on fire. I can see smoke coming out. And he carries on um, filming me then he clearly doesn't believe what I've just said because that, that, that belief is not being um, evidenced by him running around and putting the fire out. So we need to hear and we need to believe. And that obedient action actually points back to the fact that we did hear properly and that we did believe. This is a question that the Apostle James posed. He said in James chapter 2, verse 14, what good is it, my brothers, if someone he says he has faith but does not have works? Works to back up the faith. You know, words are not enough. We can stand here on a Sunday morning and we can sing out, Lord, Lord. But it doesn't count for anything if we don't obey him on a Monday morning. Let's reflect now on that building parable. When you get born again, you have access to the firm foundation which is Christ. You have found the rock, the rock of your salvation. But the question is, will you build on that foundation or will you build on something else? Just think about this in every area of your life. Maybe you're dating and you're hoping to get married one day. Well then don't sleep with your girlfriend. Don't move in with your girlfriend because that's what the Bible says that's what Jesus has said to us through, through his word. Build on the rock by being obedient to Jesus. When you socialize, maybe this is another area, after golf perhaps, don't get drunk. Don't surrender the, the control of your life to alcohol. Build on the rock by obedience to Jesus Christ. What about if you're a business person? Don't allow money to control you. Be honest. Offer a quality product for a fair price. Don't lie. Don't accept bribes. Build on the rock through obedience to Jesus. I was just thinking about this um, many years ago when I was working as an engineer and as a builder. The most difficult foundations to build on were mixed foundations, a mixture between rocks or boulders and soil. And the reason for that is that when you built a wall or a foundation across rock and then across soil, the foundation would settle more in the soil, which would cause what we call differential settlement, and that would make the walls crack. Folks, we can't build part of our lives on Christ and then another part on some other value system. We've got to try and make sure that we're building the whole house on Jesus Christ. And so it's a good question to ask yourself today. Well, you know, what foundation are you building your life on? Sand? It looks lovely and smooth and stable. It's easy to dig a foundation in sand because if you want to do it on rock, usually you have to dig much deeper. But clearly, clearly rock is the best. And so keep searching. If you're not sure that Jesus is the best foundation to build on, just recognize that the other foundations that are available are much more shaky. And just keep pursuing Jesus.
Um, keep, keep going. Be honest with yourself. Are these things that I'm building my life on really stable? Ask Jesus to open your eyes to reality. And, and if you have found the rock, if you're in that second group of people, for heaven's sake, just build on the rock by obeying Jesus in every area of your life. And if you do, you'll build a kingdom. I beg your pardon, you'll build a life that points to the reality of the upside down kingdom. So just as we close today, um, let's respond to this in prayer. And so it, it could well be that if you fall in that first group where you're beginning to realize that there is another kingdom out there and you, you, you feel that, wow, this is really stirring inside of me. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to see that this is true. Um, then now is a good time to come into that kingdom um, by committing your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and asking him to transform your heart to do that radical transformation. So let's just pray. And you can just pray along um, with me, um, committing your life to Jesus. So we'll do that. Lord Jesus, I, I recognize that I have been in control of my life. I recognize that I have been managing my life. And I want to hand over the management of my life to you. I want to live in a way that honors you and that pleases you. And I believe that just as you died on the cross and were raised to new life by God, so you can take my old self through faith in you, crucify it, and raise me up as a new creation, a radically transformed human being with a new heart, so that I can live as a citizen of the Upside Down Kingdom. And then if you're in that second group, I think today is a good day to recommit yourself to building your life on that rock foundation, building your life on Jesus. Just spend a few moments in quiet now. We'll do it in prayer. And just ask the Holy Spirit to, to highlight any particular areas where you need to rebuild the foundations because there are cracks in the wall. You've been building on a mixed foundation of soil and rock. Let's spend a few moments in quiet. Holy Spirit, please come and... Expose these things to us. Show us where we need to make adjustments so that our entire lives are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Wonderful to be with you this morning. Thanks so much for signing in. And <clears throat> we look forward to seeing you again next week. We're going to be uh, listening to a guest speaker. We've got Glenn Miller coming. He's, he's already here from the States. Unfortunately, he's got COVID. He was supposed to be preaching um, this morning, uh, but he's got COVID and he's in isolation. But we're hoping that he'll be strong and fit for, for next week's sermon. Hope you have a great week and cheers for now. Goodbye.